on. There we are. And I'm on now. Okay, awesome. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that we are going to get to continue in this series called Ecclesiastes together. Again, my name is Nikki Broughton. I'm on staff here. Pastor Tim is my husband. And I'm also on the teaching team here at New Hope. I'm just excited to be able to bring you the word today as we continue in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to be studying Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Pastor Tim taught the past two Sundays on Ecclesiastes chapters 1 through 3. And what we've been learning about the book of Ecclesiastes is the book of Ecclesiastes is to help us to learn what it means to live a meaningful life. And so that's why we've been studying it. It's one of the books of wisdom that's found in the Bible. Um, The books of wisdom are normally what we call Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then we'll kind of add the Song of Solomon onto that. Um, It's a great book, but again, it's it's to help us to learn how to live a meaningful life. And today in chapter 4, we're going to be learning about who's your two. And so this is what I'm going to be preaching on today, Who's Your Two? If you um, have not yet um, gotten one of our sermon series guides, I highly recommend that you get one of these. We offer these with every series that we do here. We've been going through several books of the Bible. We're going to be continuing to do that here at New Hope. Um, This has a reading plan of reading through the book of Ecclesiastes, and then we have Bible verses that we want you guys to memorize along with the series as well. There's hard copies of this in the back of the auditorium before you leave today. Um, if you don't have one yet. And if you're joining us online, you can find it on our church website too. We have all those resources available to you. Now with us going through Ecclesiastes chapter four, one of our Bible verses that we are learning um, in this series that we have on this resource guide is from Ecclesiastes chapter four. It's verses um, chapter four, verses nine and 10. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna read these together. Okay, you ready for that? So we're gonna read these. I'm gonna count to three and we're gonna say this out loud. All right, ready? One, two, three two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor if either of them falls down one can help the other up good job okay let's go ahead and pray dear only father god i'm thankful that you are a god that always has a plan for our lives that everything that happens, Lord, that you are the solution. And if we need to know what to do, God, all we have to do is look in your word, God, and you have the answers for us. God, you tell us that two are better than one. As we discuss this today, God, I pray that you'll remove everything that's inside of me that is not of you, and that only you will, will be what's left and that comes out, God, as we all get encouraged and challenged through your word this morning. And I just ask this in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we are going to learn that those who work for or only live for themselves will lead meaningless and difficult lives. All of you were given a worship program too when you came in this morning that has notes on the back. So grab pens because we're going to be doing a lot of notes this morning. But Ecclesiastes chapter 4 talks about those who we work for or those who work for or live only for themselves will lead meaningless and difficult lives. And I'm not going to be able to have time to cover all of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 today, which makes me sad because there were some verses that I could have done an entire sermon on those verses, but because of the fact that we are only here for one sermon today, I'm going to have to just focus on the part that talks about the two, who's your two, the two are better than one. So today we're going to be focusing only on Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 7 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, you could open those up. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12 is what we're going to read this morning. You can also look up here as we read this together. So these verses say this again. I saw, this is I, meaning Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes. I saw something meaningless under the sun. 
Again, we're talking about what it means to live a meaningful life. So in Ecclesiastes, he talks a lot about the things that are meaningless. Verse 8, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. This guy is like, I'm all alone. I work hard, but I don't really have anybody to share it with. Verse 9, he goes on to say, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though he may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So he goes on to say, it's not really good to be alone, and when I'm not alone, there are some good things that come with having somebody else to do life with, um, walking along beside other people. So Solomon goes and gives us actually four reasons why, through what we just read, four reasons why it's, it's not good to be alone. And these four reasons, am I saying this right? Four reasons why it's good to not be alone. Sorry, I felt like I was giving too many like negatives in there. Okay, so this is on your worship program. So in those verses that we just went through, these, these four points come directly from these, the scripture that we just read. The first point is, you get more done. In the, in the verses he said, you get a good return for your labor. When there's more than one person working towards something, you are going to get more done. One plus one equals two, right? And if you um, study any of Stephen Covey and the seven habits of highly successful people, he calls this synergy. Synergy is where two or more people group together to do a project, and sometimes one plus one equals a lot more than two when you have synergy and people working together. When you are not alone, you are definitely going to get more done. The second thing that we see in Ecclesiastes is you have, to, you have someone to help you when you are down. In the verse, it says, one can help the other up. When we are not alone, we have someone to help you when we are down. The third thing is that your needs are going to be easier met. In the verses, it says, how can one keep warm alone? When you are doing life with someone else, your needs are going to be easier met. And the fourth point is you have someone that has your back and in the verses it says two can defend themselves you will have someone around you that has your back because two can defend themselves then at the end of verse 12 Solomon says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken and so in scripture we see this a couple of times and it's always talking about two Christ followers and Christ so it says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Sometimes you hear this verse at weddings, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken, and it's a true statement at weddings. If you have two Christ followers in Christ, that cord is not going to be quickly broken. But in, in Ecclesiastes 4, this is just talking about relationships. This doesn't, so this, we don't necessarily need to make this apply only to wedding ceremonies. If you have two people that are Christ followers in Christ, no matter what that is, that is going to be a very strong union that's going to have a strength to that union. When those two Jesus followers are walking in alignment with God and God is their center, there's not much that's going to be able to take that down. There's going to be a strength in that. And when you put two people that have different strengths and gifts that are walking in alignment with Christ, and Christ is the center, they are going to be able to get more done. 
They are going to be able to have their needs met, and it's going to be really hard to be able to take them down. And that's the kind of relationships that Christ asks us to have in our lives. Ecclesiastes 4, Ecclesiastes 4 again, is trying to say to us that there is an importance in having relationships. And this is on your worship program as well. Those who work or live only for themselves will lead meaningless and difficult lives. We are not meant to go it alone. None of us are meant to go it alone. And if we try to go it alone, it's going to be very difficult and we will live, live meaningless and difficult lives. We are not meant to live out for ourselves or to look out only for our own needs and wants. And so I'm going to have two like main points as we talk about this together. And the first main point that I'm going to talk to you about is what it means to lock arms with those around us and don't leave anyone behind. I firmly believe that Ecclesiastes 4 talks about this, that we are to lock arms with those around us and to not leave anyone behind. In verse 10, it says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. We are to lock arms with people and not leave people behind. My best friend in high school, her name was, is Robin. Um, we went to the school, oh my word, I wasn't prepared yet for that picture, but there it is. So that was a really, you know, that, that was a hot minute ago that that picture was taken. Um, so anyways, that's Robin and I, um, best friend growing up, we're still in touch. Um, every time she um, talks to me, she tells me that she still has my home phone number memorized from when we were in high school. And this was the kind of phone that was plugged into a wall. You know, this was, not, this was before speed dial, voice recognition or anything else. She's like, I could, I could still call your, your home phone number right now. I have no idea who has that phone number. But anyways, um, we we uh, went to the same school. We ran track and cross country together. We went to the same church. When we weren't hanging out with each other in school or at church or at athletic things, then we were going to see movies together or hanging out with each other house, other's houses. We were, we were quite the pair um, back then. So um, Robin and I, again, like I said, we were best friends growing up. Thank you. Thank, that was making me uncomfortable having that <laughs> picture out there. <laughs> okay, now I can relax again. Okay, so, um, so Robin and I were both runners, but when I say that, I was more like a runner, and she was more like a jogger, okay? And so she ran long distance the same as I did, and so in track season, we ran track and cross country together, in track season, one of the events that both of us ran as long distance runners was the two-mile race. Now, the two-mile race on a track is eight laps around the track, okay? So because I was a runner and Robin was more like a jogger, so when I was coming around for my, like, sixth or seventh lap, I'd start to see the back of Robin's head bouncing up and down as she was jogging in front of me, which meant that I was going to pass her. I was going to lap her. And so I always knew at some point, if I was having a good race day, then I'm going to lap Robin she, I hope she never hears that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call her and say, I'm so sorry. But anyways, anyways, if I was having a really good race day, sometimes I would lap her twice, which is maybe a little embarrassing, but that's, that's the way it was. So, so she was, I was running, and she was jogging, and I would lap her. Now, when I would lap Robin, and I would come up, and I'm going to go past her, and I'm in a race, I have my breathing set, I have my pace set, I am going. But I'm coming up on not only my teammate, but I'm also coming up on my best friend. 
And so there's no way that I wasn't gonna stop my pace and stop my breathing to say to her, you got this, Robin. Don't give up. You, have, you got your race, go get it. And so every time I would lap her, I would always say, you got this, Robin. Looking good, Robin. Keep it up. You got this. And this is what the Bible tells us as Christ followers to do with each other. In Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, we see that Jesus tells us to do this. And he says this. He says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We are not meant to live for ourselves. This is what Ecclesiastes is telling us. Each of us should please our neighbor for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. These verses are saying that we are to accept each other wherever they are at in their walk with Christ. We are to accept them and that it's our job to build them up. In these verses, we see that as Christ follows, we're not meant to live for ourselves. We are meant to help each other. We are to build each other up. And this is not just about you, you running your race. This is also about helping others to run their race. And some people are going to be running their race and they're going to be right beside you and some people are going to be ahead of you and some people are going to be behind you. But we as Christ followers are to help build each other up in the race that all of us are running as we all are running towards Christ. And we are to lock arms with people. And some people need us to lock arms with them to help them along the way. And there are people around you that are going to be, like I said, two steps behind you in your growth in Christ. But we're to lock arms with them and help them as they go. We don't want to leave anyone behind. We don't want anybody to fall behind. Because other people need us to lock arms with them because if we don't, they are going to fall off the race course altogether. In Ecclesiastes 4.10 it says, But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And as I was preparing for this message this week, I ran across a couple video clips that I think demonstrates this. I want you to spend just one minute. Go ahead and watch this. right? I mean, who doesn't want those friends, right? You don't want to be that one that's just all alone, trying to do life all by yourself. 
We are meant to live life together. We are meant to have people that help us to run our race. We are not meant to, get, to go it alone. Ecclesiastes, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. That poor crab and that poor penguin got that, right? There are several passages in scripture that also talk about being the, Jesus being the good shepherd. Jesus is in charge of his sheep and he means to take care of them. In John 10, 11, it says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If one of the sheep wanders off for the shepherd, the shepherd is always going to search for it until he finds it. It's because the sheep mean that much to him. He doesn't want any of the sheep to ever be left behind. And the shepherd knows that the sheep do better if they stay with the group where he can protect them and provide for them. And every time the scripture is talking about Jesus being the good shepherd, he's talking about us. We are the sheep, and Jesus is our shepherd. And every single person that knows Jesus as their savior is part of the flock. Jesus doesn't want any of his sheep to fall behind. And he will always go after the ones that do because he knows that being in his presence is going to always be what's best for them. So I was trying to think of, how to explain this to you and and Tim and I recently took our oldest son to college and that was a very emotional experience for us because of the fact that we've never been away from our boys for more than one or two weeks straight and so moving our son away from college and him living on campus and not living at home anymore was a thing that you know is a new transition for us so we knew this transition was coming he's 19 years old and we knew that college was always going to be his goal for after high school we knew he was going to be moving out of the house we had planned for it we had helped him to buy all of his stuff we had taught him to do his own laundry and to make independent decisions he was totally ready to go and then the time came for us to help pack him up because he's leaving the next day and I found myself not being able to help him pack I just couldn't help him pack. Every time that I would go down to start putting everything together with him that we had all in one place to start to get it organized and labeled with his name on it and his room number and all that stuff, I had to leave the room because I just started crying every single time. And so I just went upstairs and praised God for Tim because he was holding it together and Tim was able to help him pack and get everything loaded up. Then the next day, we followed our son to his college, and we helped him unpack and get his college dorm room all set up, and he had some meetings to attend, and we had some meetings to, to attend, and he stayed in his dorm room making friends, and we stayed in the hotel room eating chocolate, and so, you know, it was all, it was all good. And we stayed strong, and we had no tears, and only excitement and encouraging words were coming out of us to him. And then the weekend was coming to an end, and it was Sunday morning, and we were leaving the hotel room to go to meet with him one last time on campus. We were attend a church service together and eat lunch with him, and then say goodbye and drive home. And so we were holding it strong, we were staying all together, and we were about to leave the hotel room one last time, and Tim kept on stalling, leaving the room. He wasn't leaving the hotel room. I'm standing there at the door like with our suitcase and my pillow because I always have to travel with my own pillow. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, what's, what's going on? And then I look over and he's crying. And I'm like, hold it together, Broughton. <laughs> we got one more thing to get through. You are not allowed to lose it yet. We can cry the whole way home, but you're not allowed to do this yet. And he's like, I'm sorry, I just can't stop. It was, it was so pathetic, so pathetic. 
So, so why am I telling you this story? It's because Jesus sees all of us as his kids. And he doesn't want to let us go. He never wants to let you go. He sees you as his. You're a sheep. And he's the shepherd. And if you start to wander away, he wants to come after you. He wants to look for you. He wants to protect you. He wants to care for you. And when we as his sheep start to wander away, Jesus, as our heavenly father, it makes him sad. And he doesn't want to let you go. I want you to know this morning that you're loved. You're loved. Jesus desperately loves you. And he wants to put people around you that are going to lock arms with you and they're going to help you to never go away, to never walk away from the things that are Jesus. As hard and emotional as it was for us to watch our son move away to college, it was painful and a grieving process for us as his parents because we love him. But we knew that this was good and right for our son. Even though we knew it was good and right, we didn't want him to see him leave because Jesus doesn't want to see us leave. He doesn't want to see any of his kids fall away. And if you know him as your savior, then you are his. He sees you as his child, and he loves you, and he never wants to let you go. And some of us know other Jesus followers who are on the verge of leaving. We know people that are choosing a path other than Jesus. So what are we as Christ followers to do? We're to lock arms with them. We're to come alongside them and lock arms with them, and we're to help them to run the race. Meet with them. Not to yell at them. This is not a, we have to have a heart-to-heart, and I'm just going to yell at you in your face because I don't listen very well when people yell at me. But when people sit across the table from me and tell me that they love me, and they're concerned about me, and that they love me so much they really feel like they need to share something with me, I'm, I'm more ready to listen to them when they come with a heart of love. We encourage people with a heart of love to come back into the flock. Now, God gives all of us free will. He can't make anyone do something that they're not going to choose to do, and we can't make anybody choose to do something that they don't want to do. So I get that, that you're like, maybe it won't make a difference, but you know what? Maybe it will. And I want to encourage you to find those people that you love, that you know that are Jesus followers, that maybe are choosing decisions that you know are not Jesus kind of decisions to lock arms with them and to say, you know what, I love you too much to let you go. I just want to have a conversation. God could use you to help someone to make a choice to not walk away from what Jesus has to offer because what Jesus has to offer is always going to be what's best. What Jesus has to offer is always going to be what's best. So lock arms with people and don't be afraid to speak truth. And don't be afraid to tell them that you're concerned about the choices that they're making because that's what love does. That's what love does. You could walk away and be sad and do nothing or you can chase them down like the good shepherd does us and say, I love you too much to walk away. I really just want to have a conversation with you. That's what love does. When we ignore someone falling away that we care about, we aren't truly showing love because love locks arms with people. Love doesn't let go. 
So the second point I want to make, other than locking arms, is that we, as Christ followers, are to find a BGP. And a BGP stands for a big godly person. Okay, so as Christ followers, we are to find a BGP. So you might say, what is a BGP? What is a big godly person? And I will answer that for you now. A big godly person, a BGP, is people who know the word. So this is somebody that, that you know regularly has Jesus time. A BGP is somebody that you know regularly spends time reading the Bible. That they've read the Old Testament and they've read the New Testament and they've read those books of wisdom, the Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, and that you know that this person has spent time in God's word and loves God's word. Okay? So a big godly person is somebody who knows the word. A big godly person is, always, is also somebody that's attentive to the Holy Spirit that they obey God's word and they follow God's leading. They don't just know God's word that they're spending time with, that they obey it. That they, you see that they obey, they're obeying scripture and that they're following God's leading in their life. The third thing about a BGP is they are spiritually and mentally healthy. A BGP is somebody who is not shifty in their behavior or their conduct, that they are consistent in their behavior and their conduct, that the person that you see at their house is the same person that you see when they are at work is the same person that you're going to see on Friday night football field, okay? So, like, they're not shifty in their conduct. They're consistent. They're spiritually and mentally healthy person. A BGP is also somebody that is a truth seeker and a truth speaker, It's not going to be somebody that you're not going to be able to trust what comes out of their mouth is what actually is truth, okay? They are truth seekers and truth speakers, and they do it in love. I know some BGP people that maybe would consider themselves BGP people, but they get a really red face when they're talking to people. And that's not love to me, people that are speaking and doing it in anger. They're doing it for what's best, They are truth seekers and truth speakers, and they do it in love. And number five, that God's will and his ways are evident in their lives, that you just see Jesus in that person, and his ways are evident in their lives. So um, I have some BGPs that have been a part of in my life for most of my life. My mom actually um, saw a need for me to have a mentor when I was 13 years old, and she found a lady at her church that she was good friends with named Karen Christensen. And Karen Christensen started meeting with me when I was 13 years old. Um, So Karen was the first person that mentored me as a young teenager, Um, and I was excited to meet with her, but scared to meet with her. And the first thing that I did when I met with her, we were meeting in an office at the church, and she was sitting across a desk from me and we were about to get started and I was all excited and she looked at me and her very first question that came out of her mouth was are you obeying your parents that's what she asked me are you being your parents and I thought did my mom set you up for this <laughs> like what what is this and I thought what is this and that's the first thing that I learned about a mentor is that mentors aren't afraid to ask hard questions mentors aren't afraid to ask hard questions I learned a lot about my time with Karen, from my time with Karen. She was a prayer warrior, and so from her, I learned a lot about prayer. She also prayed God's word, and she taught me how to pray God's word, and um, I loved my time with her. And after meeting with her for a while, our family had to move churches, and I told my mom that I would like to find somebody to mentor me again, and we found a lady from our church named Stevie. 
And I would go over to Stevie's house, and she had young kids at the time, and she would meet, I would meet with her at her house so that she didn't have to find childcare for her young kids, and she would always come with me. Um, she'd sit down in the living room, and she'd always have a tray of hot tea that one a, a mug for me and a mug for her, and she'd have her Bible out, and we would study books of the Bible together and do some topical studies, and what I learned from Stevie was I learned how to drink hot tea and enjoy it, something I hadn't learned yet in life. She kind of taught me that. And I also learned that no matter how busy of a season of a life you're in, you still have time to invest in someone else. And I learned that from Stevie, and I'm thankful that she invested in me. In my later teens, then we were back at our old church and that I'd grown up in. I was very involved in our youth program at that time, and we also um, met in small groups. And our youth pastor always made himself available to any of us if we needed to talk about things. Being in small groups also got me really connected with my small group leaders, and my small group leaders always took all my questions. I always had so many, I was always a question person, and I still am today. Um, they always took all my questions, were so patient with me, and invested in me. And um, they put up with me so well, and they took time to really listen to me and invest God's truth in me. After high school, I was in college. My freshman year of college, I walked up to the pastor on campus. His name was Pastor Green. All the students called him PG for Pastor Green. I went up to PG, and I said, I'd like to have a mentoring relationship with somebody. He asked me some questions about myself so he could learn a little bit about me. And he said, I have somebody in mind. I'll get back to you in a few days. And so a couple days later, uh, another student at my school named Colleen, she got in touch with me. Colleen was a junior. I was a freshman. And Colleen junior and senior year and my freshman and sophomore year Colleen just invested in me and later I was in her wedding and in the future supported her and her husband as they became missionaries in Asia but Colleen invested in me in college after college was a lot of life and transitions it was different people that came in and out during all those seasons and then in the early 2000s Tim and I lived in near Atlanta Georgia for five years that season was definitely one of the most challenging seasons we've ever faced. If everybody, anybody in this room has ever lived through what you would definitely title as your desert season of life, that was us. That was those, those were those five years in Atlanta, Georgia. But praise God for a woman named Barb Thomas. Um, Barb started mentoring me not long after we moved down to Georgia. I found her pretty quickly in the first church that we were, we were serving in, and I think that God knew I was going to need her, which is why God led me to her quickly. We were about to start our family, and she was just experiencing for the first time what it was to have an empty nest. Barb spoke a lot of truth to me during those hard years. She taught me how to embrace the hard. She taught me how the joy of Jesus does not depend on our circumstances. She taught me to let go of things I was trying to control. And she was not easy on me. Sometimes I would get kind of upset with how not easy Barb was on me. But when I would leave her house, I would remember she was love. I was thankful for her. Tim and I have now been a part of New Hope for over 16 years. And about half of those years, I've been mentored by another pastor's wife in town here named Julie. I've known Julie a long time because she goes to the church that I grew up in. And, um, her husband is on staff there. Julie and I still meet. We meet once a month, and she's my person. And I tell her things that no one else gets to hear. And I don't filter with her. I just speak my truth. 
And sometimes she listens to me and tells me to keep it up because I'm on the right track. And sometimes she listens to me and she corrects and redirects me. And I'm thankful that she does that. Sometimes I shock her. Sometimes I make her smile. But no matter how my conversation went, I always leave feeling loved. One specific time I remember meeting with Julie at the OARDC, this was like six or so years ago now. Um, we would, we meet, like I said, still meet once a month, but this specific time, um, we were walking at the OARDC, something we do regularly, and I had gone through very recently a really hard hurt in my life. And we were walking along, and I was talking to her about it, and I was trying to help her to understand how I was feeling. And it was really windy that day. And we were walking along, and there was a bird right in front of us, just really close to us right here. And it was so windy that this small bird was not making any headway in the wind. It was just flapping its wings like crazy, but it wasn't going anywhere. And I said to Julie, see that bird? That's how I feel. I feel like I'm working so hard, but I'm not getting anywhere and then Julie paused and she said see that bird it's still flying I always remember that like that's what mentors do they ask you hard questions and they're there to help you to not give up to keep going to keep running your race mentors help you to keep going mentors help you to not fall behind mentors help you to not give up and i would say that you're going to fall behind if you don't have a bgp person in your life all of us need it and that's why we titled this message who's your two who's your two who's your other person that you can have alongside you that you're going to lock arms with and that you're going to be going and i shared all of those examples with you to say that i'm not teaching you something that i have not applied personally to my own life i've applied this personally to my own life and i've benefited from it tremendously i would not be standing here being the person that i am today if all these women hadn't locked arms with me and said come on nikki you're coming with me I'm so thankful for the people and the, the women that have invested in my life in that way. And you don't want to meet with someone who's just going to make you feel good. Because there's a lot of people that I like hanging out with that make me feel good and I can really laugh with. But when it comes to a BGP, per, BGP person or a mentor person, their goal for you is not to be happy. Their goal for you is to be holy. So when you meet with somebody like this, their goal for you is not... Let's just celebrate you and good job, you got this and you go on your way. Their goal for you is to help you to encourage you to grow, which is why in your worship program, I put the list of questions that BGP people would ask you. When you meet with a BGP person, these are the questions that they should be asking you. The first question should be, how's your time with Jesus? How's your time with Jesus? How's it going? And this is the time for you to be extremely honest with that person. Your, your lack of honesty isn't going to help you, okay? So if you're going to say, you know, I need to be real honest with you, it hasn't been going real great lately. Okay, BGP's person would say, okay, tell me why. Right? Let's talk about this. Have you been reading your Bible? That's a BGP question. That's something that they should be asking you. What has God been teaching you lately? Another great question. What's God been teaching you lately? How is your marriage? For those of you who are married... When I get asked and I cross the table from somebody and they look at me in the eye and they say, how's your marriage? All right, I need to be honest. How am I doing with this? For those of you that aren't married, how's your singlehood? Are you struggling? 
You doing okay? These are important questions that BGP people should ask. What has been keeping you up at night? What's, what have you been worried about? What are your concerns? What's been keeping you up at night? How have you been spending your time? And have you been taking care of yourself? These two questions kind of go together. Have you been spending your time? And have you been taking care of yourself? Because Jesus doesn't ask us to do. He asks us to be. So how are we spending our time? Are we, are we being wise with it? Are you taking care of yourself? These are the kind of questions that BG people, BGP people will ask. It's not about being perfect. When I meet with my mentor, I'm honest with her. This is not about me trying to play a game of, oh, I'm always so righteous and holy, and I make no sinful mistakes. Guess what? I'm not Jesus. Okay? It's not about being, being perfect. or It's, it's not about have, not having struggles. This is about meeting with somebody for accountability and making wise choices. We meet with people for accountability and to make wise choices. And every mentor I've had has encouraged me in this. In Psalm 105, verse 4, it says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. So this is what a BGP person should encourage you in. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Sometimes when I meet with Julie, I'll get, I'll tell her like all the things that we're doing and, and um, I'll say I'm tired and we've been doing this ministry, we've been doing this ministry, we've been doing this and that, whatever. And she'll look at me and she'll ask the question, who are you doing it for? And I'll go, oh. And I'll go, Jesus. And she's like, right. And this is the kind of questions that BGP people ask you because this is their goal for you. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. They, they help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. They kept, keep, help us to keep our eyes on what's the most important. BGPs will help you to do these things. So I would ask, who's your two? Who are you locking arms with? You. You locking arms with somebody, and who are you going to as a BGP person in your life? Because as Christ followers, we should always have both. We should always have somebody that we're investing in, and we should always have somebody that, that is investing in us. So who's your two? Who are you locking arms with, and who are you looking to be your BGP person in your life? Because I would say, don't allow time. We're all busy, but don't allow time to stop you from this. Don't allow fear to stop you from this. I've tried that before and it didn't work. I'd say, you didn't find the right person. Try to find the right person. There's been people that I confided in that were the wrong person and then I paid for that and then I had fear of telling anybody else anything about me because for some reason as a pastor's wife, I'm not supposed to struggle with things, right? And so, and so there's been people that I told and they were the wrong person that made me fear ever telling anybody else again but it was just fear. I just had to find the right person and then when I w did find the right person, they helped us. Don't allow fear, don't allow time and another thing, don't allow pride. Pride, I'd say, probably is the biggest one that'll keep you from having your two. That, that I'm good, I don't need it. I'd say, it's, don't lead the meaningless and difficult life of doing it on your own. Lead a meaningful, easier life, walking, locking arms with people side by side as you're that quarter three strands that cannot be quickly broken. You don't be like that, that, the crab or the penguin, right? Because pride kept you on the beach or on the ice block all alone because you said, I don't need anybody else. We all need somebody else. We all need somebody to team along beside us. You don't want to fall behind 
from not having one. You don't want to get lapped from not having one. At New Hope, we talk about this quite a bit. We try, to, we try to share this with you. We call this our discipleship wheel. And we try to talk about this um, several times throughout the year here on Sunday mornings. But it's um, one of the first things that you learn if you go through growth track. So if you, most of the people that are in this room have already been through growth track. If you've not been through growth track, you need to sign up for it and go through it. We offer it at 9 o'clock. Um, it starts at the beginning of each month. We'll start it in October again. It'll meet during our nine o'clock gathering upstairs in the meeting room. Um, so if you've not done this yet, then that means you haven't gone through Grow Track. And this is my little plug for Grow Track. Go through Grow Track, okay? So um, this is our discipleship wheel. This is where we get saved, okay? So you were spiritually dead, and then you get saved. Hallelujah. You got your ticket into heaven. You have Jesus in you. This was your spiritual birthday, the best decision you ever make in your entire life, okay? You got there. But you don't get saved and immediately become a spiritual parent. You are saved and like a new birth, that you just had a new birth in Christ, you are an infant. That's just what happens to all of us. Everybody starts in the same place, okay? When I came to know Jesus as my Savior, I started as an infant too, okay? We all start there. And as an infant, you need other people to care for you, and you have a lot of questions because you need, to, you need to grow. And so just as an infant, normal infant does, you go from an infant to become a child. Now I can do some things on my own. I know some things, but I'm still falling down, scraping my knees a lot. Okay, that's the child stage of your spiritual growth. And then you go to your young adult stage where you're more God-centered, you're serving others, I understand more, I'm living more into this, I'm starting to spend time on my Bible on my own, not just when I'm at church. Now I'm actually getting open by myself at home. I'm growing, I am learning things, I'm starting to serve. And then a spiritual parent is, now I'm ready to help disciple other people to get to their point as they're going around in this, okay? So... I would say that for this spiritual discipleship wheel, if you are here, then you need to find somebody that's here or here to be your BGP, okay? Now, what if you are here? Do you still need one? Yes. When will you not need one? When you die, okay? (laughs) We are never done growing. There's always going to be somebody that is going to be able to encourage you and pray for you and tell you to not give up. This race on this earth is long and hard. Would you agree? You cannot do it without people locking arms with you, and you want the accountability to do that so that you don't fall behind, right? So if you are in one of these, just find somebody that is a step or two ahead of you, and they are, they're your BGP. Now, what if you're saying, I don't think that I'm at a place where I could really help somebody else in, my, in their spiritual walk with Christ. Then you find somebody who's here or is dead, and you help them to say, guess what? My life changed. It's better because of Jesus. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I'd love to talk to you about it. Let's have coffee or go on a ride, or mow a lawn together, or whatever it is that you like to do, do that. Locking arms with people is not about you trying to figure out your life to do it differently. It's about including people in what you're already doing, because with what you're already doing, you already have a lot of people all around you. So make the time. Make the time to not go it alone. Make the time to not go it alone. Some action steps that you could do that we already provide here at New Hope is to join a small group. 
Small groups are like the group of crabs or the group of penguins that we saw in that video clip, okay? Find a small group to do life with. We have the men's forge group on Thursday nights. We have the women's forge group on Thursday nights. We have small groups that meet all throughout the week. All you have to do is write on your Connect card, small group, Pastor Jim gets a hold of you. He asks you a few questions, connects with one, bam. It's that easy, okay? It's a really simple process. We have the equip group, which is our leadership group. And it goes through an entire year and, it, and you'll be meeting with people twice a month to be learning things, but it can also be used as an accountability group. We have a lot of things that are here that we would like for you to take advantage of that is gonna help you to lock arms with people and to not go it alone. But the point is to get to know people. Now, if you are like me and you're like, I need one-on-one, I'm in small groups and I'm in groups and I like all of that and I need one-on-one. So I, if you would like a mentor and you pray about it and you're like, I don't really know anybody to ask, because of the fact that we do Equip 1.0, we also now have Equip 2.0 and 3.0 and we're working on Equip 4.0 because we've been doing this for quite a long time. In that process, Pastor Jim has been training a whole bunch of mentors that are looking for people to mentor. And so if you would like a mentor today, you can write on your Connect card. There's hard copies in the, in the seat in front of you, the digital copy that Pastor Tim will talk about in just a minute. Write mentorship on your Connect card, and we will be contacting you this week, and we will be asking you a couple questions like PG did to me, and we will hook you up with the right person. Okay, so there's no excuse to hear all that. There's lots and lots of things available to you for you to find your two. For you to find your two. So as we wrap up this morning, I just want to encourage all of us to not go it alone. And the reason why we don't want you to go it alone is because of the fact that you are loved. Jesus doesn't like to see any of his sheep to go away. And that we as Christ followers, we need to lock arms with the sheep that are around us and say, I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go because I love you. And so let's do this together. So my encouragement to you is to find your two. Who's your two? And that we can make steps to do that today. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Holy Father, God, thank you so much that as I prayed before, that you are the God of the answers, that every solution is found in you. But I also want to thank you for your great love for us. God, I pray that if there's somebody here that is in this discipleship wheel of, I just, I'm not even part of the sheep yet. I, I didn't know really what that meant. And, and, but I think I want to join that today. God, I pray, Lord, that you will help that person, Lord. The people that are in here, God, be working on all of our hearts. God, to accept that your death on the cross was for them as well and that they will receive that and ask you to forgive them for the times of all the things that they've done that was apart from you and to come into their life and be part of your family. And God, I pray for us that are here that we are, we're, we're moved along on this discipleship wheel. We're not, we're not spiritually dead anymore. We're part of your family. God, I pray that you will help us to not allow time or fear or pride to keep us from having people in our lives that invest in us and that it won't keep us from investing in others, that we will be a people that lock arms with other people to say we're doing this together because your word clearly says we're not meant to do it alone. 
I pray, Lord, that you will help our church, Lord, and help everybody that hears this message to lock arms with people around them and not let them go. And that we'll continue to um, grow in our relationship with you. That you will find a BGP person for every single one of us, God, that can help us to grow and ask us hard questions as we continue to live life with you, God, because you are always what is best. God, help us to choose the things that are best. Not just the things that are good, but the things that are best. And I pray that you will do this in all of our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much.